Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. Hey, what's going on? Uh, Coach Luca here with the Vigor. I said, uh, oh, well, uh, <laughs> with the Vigor Life Podcast, which episode this is, I have no idea. Uh, honestly, I don't care about the numbers. What I do care about is that we are at a we made a special kind of, uh, not only like a special guest today, but at a special place, and it's Foster's Jiu-Jitsu with my good friend, uh, James Foster, the uh, ultra, like, you can feel free to correct me on this, all right, right? All but right. ultra heavyweight world champion uh, in Jiu-Jitsu, but uh, most importantly, my, my friend and a, and a, and a, and a great guy, and, and not only a, uh, I would say an expert in his craft, but I would also say a leader in the BJJ community and like well-respected uh, not because only of his skills, but of the way that he represents himself in his school. Uh, you know, I've learned so many things, uh, not just jujitsu and getting choked out by this guy, like violently choked out, by the way, violently, violently choked out <laughs> um, when you when you take it from gear one to gear three. Right. Um, right. But but also just, uh, you know, lessons in life, lessons in how to conduct yourself into in tough, uh, tough situations. Like I said, jujitsu is so great in uh, in teaching you about life. So what we're going to do today, this is going to kind of like go all over the place because I think there's a lot of uh, not only value, but but uh, the stories of, you know, James getting to this place, not only in business, but, you know, how long it took you to, to be the world champion. Right. Uh, it, th- there's so many things that you can learn, um, like to, that carries over into your own life. You know, we wanted to make obviously the Vigor Life podcast about becoming a better human being. And I'm, I'm such a big fan of martial arts and especially jujitsu and how it, be, it, it helps you become a better human being versus just like, hey, you know, I, I, I can arm bar somebody, I can protect myself better and, you know, and it being just a, a, a great sport in itself. So I'm going to kind of uh, actually touch on first what, what, what I wanted to ask you. Like, just give me like the little short story. <laughs> Of I, I say short story. I'm horrible at short in stories. A, in a nutshell. In a nutshell, of of just the growth of Foster's BJJ because this you know it's, you've been around for for quite a while and we met what has it been now three three years ago maybe three or four three yeah. or four years ago yeah. so it's, it's been a while. Feels um, like a lifetime. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like I can't a, remember a time where I didn't know you. Uh, maybe so there that wasn't says a, time a I didn't. says a lot about the, remember the, 15 years the ago. Impact. When we, oh shit! We didn't, <laughs> that's how it feels. But um. You know, how, how long ago did you even start, Fosters? And I, I, what I really want to know is how you got started, because, like, that's a, a huge, like, the moment that you were, you know, practicing jiu-jitsu and you said, you know what, I want to open up my own school. Right. So, for me, it kind of ended up being uh, uh, out of circumstance, almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a purple belt at the time, and the school that I was training at, they moved their location even further away. So, I was driving a three-hour round trip to train Shit. and I was going uh, about five days a week doing that and, I was, work- there for and I was working two jobs yeah this okay. is like when your dad tells you the story about you know walking uphill both directions to and from work when they're a kid it's one of those things so you talk you talk about you know do you know we talk, you know what because I shot this video and I've been making this big point about the three P's right right passion purpose and persistence and you know, could you do that if you didn't, if you weren't persistent and like kind of purposeful about becoming great at that? No, absolutely not. And then here's the thing, though: would you? And I, the circumstances are different. And maybe it wouldn't have been in three hours, but you know, how far out of your way do you go now to still 
develop skill sets like you know and, and i know how much you travel well, i travel all over i, I attend uh, other instructors seminars all the time i think that's really important uh you know doesn't just end when you become a black belt the the journey continues it's endless and jiu-jitsu is an endless uh, martial art you never are going to learn everything so i travel all over i support uh, other instructors when they come here locally and teach seminars um, i go down to train with my professor down in california whenever i can have him up here uh, so you know my my thirst for knowledge has never changed it's it's been a constant if, if anything it's more so now and yeah, because uh after all this time in jujitsu i'm really you really start to understand how little you actually know the longer you've been in it and i feel like i'm learning more now than ever as a black belt there's kind of a, a cliche saying where you know when you get your black belt it's almost like starting Start over, over right? yeah. yeah and i would honestly say i've learned more in the time that i've been a black belt than all the years before that so for me uh, running my own academy that was never my goal never my plan uh, happened out of circumstance at the time when that other academy moved and I just couldn't commit any more uh, time to be able to you know drive another hour further or whatever to, to get to class um, at that time I didn't know what I was going to do it was kind of one of those things where it, it was kind of one of those things where I uh I was kind of at a crossroads and wasn't sure where I was going to train, what I was going to do. This was still at a time where there was only two or three places to train, you know, spread out Washington, across like Washington state. state. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Actually, how long ago, how long ago was this? So this would have been uh, right around 2002, Damn. 2000. Okay. Yeah. Probably right around 2002, late 2002, early 2003. And, uh, it was kind of didn't know what I was going to do. And then I received a phone call and it was from the new owner of the old karate school that I used to train at. And he said, hey, we got some guys that are doing this MMA stuff, which MMA was still real in its infancy yeah. back then. And uh, they they had done a couple of fights. But as soon as they were ended up on the ground, they yeah. were having trouble. They didn't know what to do. So he said, hey, would you come here and, and teach a class, you know, once or twice a week to, to help these guys out? And I said, for sure. So that was kind of how I ended up starting to teach. And I went there and, and uh, you know, wasn't charging anything, was just giving back to my old, my old gym in uh, helping those guys out. And that's where I uh, met a lot of my first students that are still with me to this day. Wow, uh, a lot of guys uh, that are all black belts under me now started with me back then. And uh, it just started growing. And then people started uh, coming in more and more and saying, hey, how much How much does this cost? You know, I thought, oh, you know, it's 30 bucks a month <laughs> or whatever. And had them coming in and, and built, a, built a nice student base up. and stuck uh, around teaching out of the the karate school for about three years doing that until eventually i i built myself to a point where i could branch out and, and get my own location so that was right around uh let's see started doing that in 2003 then i want to say right around uh, 2007 was when i got my first small location of my own and then we outgrew that like in the first year added a bunch of classes try to spread things out and make room because we were in a tiny little space and uh it was packed so we had to make room add more classes had to last for our three-year lease even though we outgrew it 
in the so first year. When, when was that like a time when, uh, you know, when that started growing, was that the time where like MMA started becoming more Yeah, more MMA was really popular, uh, nowhere near what it is now, but it was still, it was really gaining that popularity. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, everybody wanted to be the next UFC guy and, and all of that. So most of the people that would come in was looking more for MMA or Nogi Jiu Jitsu. Yep. Uh, for those listening or those watching, uh, the Gi is the uniform we wear traditionally when we do Jiu Jitsu with our belt and everything. No Gi is obviously as the name implies when you're not wearing the uniform. So uh, most MMA people, a lot of them used to only train without the Gi. They weren't doing much stuff with the Gi. Now most people do both. But back then our No Gi classes were huge and MMA stuff was huge. and. Uh, was really a, a big foundation for for when we started up. That's why we have the the cage that's behind us right now. We don't even use this anymore. We're at 100% jujitsu school. Yeah. But back then, this cage got a lot of use in the in the academy, helping guys get ready for their fights and everything. Um, and uh, it just snowballed. You know, the first first three years built a built a really strong team, good family, and then we were blessed to be able to move into the location we're in now which is about almost three times the size and uh got a really good student base and it just continues to grow but to this day now right there's a much different at least you know from my perspective how much i've been around it and uh you know i've been around martial arts a lot but the last three years is kind of like where i got more into jujitsu and you know you don't have as much nogi it's become more, like people have started respecting and, and, and seeing jiu-jitsu for, for what it is. Definitely. And not it being like, well, it's one part of MMA. But right. like, no, like jiu-jitsu in itself has like grown and, and for all the right reasons. And I think it's, it's been great because it's such a great, not only, uh, I would say martial art, but a, a great teaching tool of many other things. Definitely. Uh, and, you know, people kind of play, it's, it's uh, people go to one extreme or the other. So mm-hmm. like back then, Nogi was was huge our nogi classes like like uh, 30 40 people in a class Damn. and then uh, it dwindled away till there was nobody coming and i was like what's going on man why why is nobody wanting to do nogi anymore it's so popular mma is still popular uh, but what had happened was people realized all the world champions in nogi jiu-jitsu were guys that trained with the gi all the no, time, all the time yeah. 99.9% of the time and then as they prepared for a no-gi event they trained without the gi and they were still doing jiu-jitsu and they were going in there and winning the world titles it's like wow all these guys are winning the world titles they all do gi mm-hmm. so then everybody did a switch and oh I only want to do gi because all the world champions in no-gi are training with the, the, the pendulum swings yeah yeah and <laughs> the it's pendulum like really swings to the extremes. you need to do both if yep. you want to be well-rounded mm-hmm. um Taking the gi off shouldn't kill your jiu-jitsu. You still know jiu-jitsu. There's very few little things, minor things that change as far as where your grips are and and different ways to hold and different ways to accomplish things. But it's all jiu-jitsu. But it's funny uh, how people's mentality shifts. It's like I was talking about it in class this morning. If I tell you doing a certain thing is good in your jiu-jitsu, like grab the head this way and put put pressure with your shoulder well people don't just grab the head and put pressure with their shoulder they put the pressure they lean all their weight all the way over to the far side till they're tipping over like if i tell you it's good you're thinking well 
more is going to be better, right? And more isn't always better in jiu-jitsu. It's, it's a very much a, a subtle thing. So it, it, that mentality plays into all different facets of, of what we do. And, it, and here's the thing, right? This is, this is funny because this, this is what I was talking about. But that's so true in everything, mm-hmm. right? You know, you look at the gym and, and, and I say, well, like, okay, maybe you want to reduce your carbs, for somebody that has insulin yeah, and issues. and they quit eating carbs. quit eating carbs for a long yeah. time. And it's like, but you said that, so I do more. Well, training is great, so now I'm training seven days a week, exactly. so my doubles. Right? I mean, so much of that is, is once again, swinging the pendulum. Like, but if the coach says this, then mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. Um, and I'm going to keep bringing it. And this is like, for me, that was such a huge thing in, in jiu-jitsu was uh, – you know, I do these things called positive focus and, and on, a, on a daily basis. And I would learn so many lessons here because I'd go and write and be like, hey, you know, position before submission. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'd go like, how does that apply into my life? And and it really is, you know, uh, what's I, I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast one time. And I, mm-hmm. I can't remember who we had on. I, I'm kind of throwing this in there because I think it was one of the best analogies. So like what jujitsu is, is like, right. well, you do this and I do that. Yeah, yeah. You do this. It's and a chest. I do that. It's a chest and it's like match. forever. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and that it, was, it's endless. There's it, there's never you know, anything you can do, there's a counter for. Mm-hmm. Any counter I do, there's a counter to that. And on and on and on and on. Yeah. And uh, you know, I've been a black belt now for over ten years and I'm still learning new stuff all the time, new ways to do things, new techniques, new ways to refine techniques I already know similar to what you do right yeah. there's always there's always a study of of how bo- the body works and different things that, to optimize and make things better so jiu-jitsu is the same way it's just you have to have the uh, open mindedness open mindedness to be able to go through that process and I think what you, you know what you've done uh, and you know what's been big for me is being humble and not falling to the trap of well you know uh, I'm James Foster. I have my own facility. If I go somewhere else and learn from someone else, this makes me lesser. Right. Right. Or, uh, I mean, obviously run gyms and, and, and marketing consulting businesses, but I'm subscribed to other people's programs. I get coaching from other people. Yeah, exactly. And I get this asked a lot, well, what if people find out? I'm like, what do you mean if they find out? I, I, I say it openly. Yeah. Um, if you're open and you're, and you're, you're honest with your, uh, instructor, I encourage my students to cross train, uh, especially my guys that compete, because a lot of times when you go in a competition, you're going to face uh, a style uh, of, of a game that you're not used to because you're used to all your training mm-hmm. partners. When you go to another gym and get to roll with some different people, you, you see different aspects of the game and it's not as much of a shock to them when they go to compete. It's very similar where there may not be a medal on the line or whatever. It's, it's getting to see how well you can adapt to, to what another person's doing. So I think the, the key thing you said is, is being open. Yeah. Uh, because I think a lot of times uh, there's a lot of miscommunication and uh, people will go and train other places and they, they haven't really um, – ask both parties if they're cool with that or whatever. I have an open relationship with all the local schools, so I have students that go train at other places and, and people from uh, other gyms that come and train here every now and again. I, I think the key things are uh, you're training the majority of the time at your home gym that you're loyal to. That's, that's a big one. In other words, if you're training more at another place, 
than you are at your own home gym. Yeah. And if there's not a, a certain circumstance that, that requires that and you're, and you're doing that, I think you have to reassess, you know, where you need to be. Um, but I don't see anything wrong with supplementing your training and, and going out and, and seeking knowledge. I think that's part of being in a, a, a free free learning environment to where uh, you're not locked in. When I started jiu-jitsu, if you even spoke about going to another school and, hey, you know, I'd like to go drop in my friend train, you'd be gone. (laughs) You'd be gone. And there there was a term for it. There's a term for it in Portuguese. And I'll probably butcher the the pronunciation, (laughs) but it's like, it's spelled like Criante. Criante. And that means you're like a, a traitor. And they would label you a traitor if you even thought about going. They say, "Oh, you want to go train there? Okay, you can't train here any longer." Hmm. So things have changed so much, and it's it's such an open environment for learning. I just think people have to be careful about uh, not abusing that, you yeah. know, and making sure their instructor knows. And it's like I tell my guys. Oh, just ask me first. Just make sure and also make sure you ask them. Yep. And any uh, student who approaches me from another academy about coming here, I say, I'm completely fine with it. Just make sure you talk to your coach first. Because communication breakdown is one of the biggest pitfalls in, in what we do in life, jujitsu, conditioning, training, running a gym, whatever. The lack of communication and, and uh, miscommunication is where the problems come up. Yeah, I'd say both both of those because it's, you know what I like to do now is what are you hearing me say? Right. We we'll have a conversation and, and it's like I'm saying something, you're hearing yeah. something else. Yeah. And at the end, I'm a lot of times I'm like, so what are you hearing me say? Because yeah. I want to see or, or hear how it's translated. How it's right? translated. It's yeah. like the telephone, right? The telephone is, uh, and, and you look at like everything that's been kind of passed down through communication over time you know you do the telephone game and it's like 20 people yeah it degradates by the time it gets to the end it's something it's completely, completely different, different message, right? I and do that in my little kids class I'll start down at one end of the line and I'll, and I'll set, tell them a word right and it could be like tomato mm-hmm. and then I have them play the telephone game and by the time it gets to the front of the line it's like car <laughs> just something <laughs> completely different right and it's how they're they're processing and, and what they're hearing, what they're picking up. And, uh, you know, I think uh, probably one of the biggest breakdowns in communication we've had, even though it, it uh, enhances our ability to communicate and all, communicate all across the world, is social media, oh, yeah. text, all of these things, so much... Uh, emotion and in context gets lost through that type of medium uh the art of talking face to face like men is very lost it's very very lost man. And, and i was telling one of my guys this this morning i said you know i've always i always make sure i i talked about it in class the other day hey guys i'm always here for you uh, if you need to talk about anything whether it's something in your life that's that you're having trouble with uh, something in training maybe you had a issue with another student whatever i'm here that, that's what i'm here for bring it to me and let me have the benefit of the doubt of of trying to fix that situation or help you however i can uh but i think people are are worried about they don't want to seem like they're complaining or whining they don't want to rock the boat so a lot of times they don't they don't come forward with that type of stuff and i think it's uh, you know kind of brings me to the point of um 
I think people believe that certain things are weaknesses when mm-hmm. I, I believe they're strengths. Like being able to be vulnerable and open with someone and go like, hey, listen, you know, here's how I feel. This is what it is. You can solve the problem, right? And and with that, you know, what I'm – this is my uh, kind of like – my opinion on this and where things are going, but I'm going to ask you because obviously you're you're in a, right. in, in a like every day you're in here and you're in a jiu-jitsu field. Like I believe that the future and not in only training, you know, with athletes and personal training things like that, lies in uh, the coaches developing a lot more of the interpersonal and emotional intelligence, social intelligence skills, uh, being able to coach. And when I say coach, I mean even having the conversations, mm-hmm. the tough conversations, and and uh, let's just say. Um, change conversations right right behavior change stuff uh on top of the skill set of you knowing how to help someone you know uh like create a new skill skill set or or uh, be a champion or whatever else it may be because i think it's a humongous missing link like in in fitness you see this you know uh, which is very important that's what you should master right it's like i know my x's and o's of periodization and, and coaching cues and nutrition and you know conditioning and all these different things how they come together but if I don't know how to communicate them with people and help people right. believe in themselves, help them overcome obstacles, you know, change habits, how much of my skill sets really gets transferred over? It's almost like you know all this stuff, but you don't know how to communicate it. You don't know how to communicate with me, and I only get 5% of your knowledge exactly. because of that. So what, where do you see, I would say, maybe an, an obstacle or, or where – you know, in jujitsu, that's moving because we, we also do some coaching with jujitsu schools, and you know, I, I see this, but I wanted to kind of get your opinion on that. Um, in jujitsu, uh, I think uh, a lot of times, going back to the the communicating thing, a lot of times it's uh, especially the higher ranking people maybe don't want to admit they don't have all the answers, mm-hmm. and uh, especially when you get into to teaching. You kind of got to get rid of that, right? Uh, teaching, just because you're an instructor doesn't mean you have all the answers. Yeah. Uh, we're still learning, too. Uh, one of my requirements for someone receiving their, their brown belt or the black belt in jiu-jitsu isn't just based off their abilities and their skills and their technical knowledge. It's, it's the ability to teach. So I try to work with them on their communication. And uh, for me, that comes from, you know, having mentors who, who stressed that to me and having, uh, I think it goes all the way back outside of jujitsu. I think it goes back to kind of how we were raised and, and, yep. and where the lines of communication open, you know, as we're developing as adults, are, are we taught to, to speak face to face and address issues? I think all of that develops us into who we become as instructors. And, uh, I think, you know, what's funny about communicating is a lot of people want to avoid what they perceive as conflict mm-hmm. or rocking the boat and don't want to be the one to bring something up. And it's it's the whole thing of, you know, avoiding going through years of misery when in a five minute conversation got rid of you it. could get rid of it. <laughs> But that that idea of that little bit of uncomfortableness to have a conversation kills that for people. And it it, it makes it – how many people have you seen suffer through a a horrible relationship? Oh, man. For years, (laughs) right? But the the fear of the unknown 
of ending the relationship and what's going to happen after that. Am I going to be able to find someone new? Am I going to find love again? All of this, all of those things make them suffer for years years. with the known quantity. Even though it's horrible, they will sit there and suffer because taking off that Band-Aid, even though it hurts mm -hmm. just for a second, the fear of all the the X factors and the unknowns when you kind of have a, a sure known quantity will keep them in that type of situation. You see that in all different uh, respects of of life and training and jujitsu and all of these things. So for me, communication is is king. Which which then means, and right, if communication is king, and I think a lot of you know, if you talk to a lot of uh, I'd say jujitsu coaches and instructors, they'd say. I agree with you, James, right? Right. Then my next question would be, so how much time do you spend becoming better at that? Right. Right. Because I, I have this, uh, it's not, it doesn't just come to you. It's not just natural. And I, I agree. Like you do go back to, you know, if you're taught to suppress, then you, you don't speak up. You don't, you know, yeah. you, you're not having the crucial conversations, which is, by the way, a great book. Crucial Conversations is an awesome book to, to deal with that. I'll have to look that one um, up. And, um, but, you know, it's like parenting. Like people say, like, well, I want to be the best parent in the world to my kids. And my question, next question usually is like, hey, uh, you know, what's, what's some books that you read on parenting? Have you gone to any courses? Have you got any coaching? Right. And they're like, no. And it's like, oh, I don't know what's best for my kid. And, mm-hmm. and the reality, and you know, there's a, another great book called Nurture Shock that talks about that, you know, parents don't know what's best based on like science and proven things. And so because you're kind of like, well, no, maybe if I go and, and get, I don't know, parenting coaching, then I'm a, bad, I'm a parent. bad parent. But right? I think it's the exact opposite. Yeah. And this is, it's like this uh, self-fulfilling prophecy in essence, right? Because I'll always ask, if you put the pieces of the puzzle together on what creates a great jiu-jitsu school and yeah. a jiu-jitsu instructor, you'll start having people from all over the world say these different things man like you got to put in years of work and go and train under the best mm-hmm. and be open-minded and you got to be great with communication and if you're running a facility you got to understand marketing and sales and business yeah and business part of it and then i'd say we'll circle the ones that you feel really confident to master and then a lot of people will stick within the technicalities of it yeah which look i'm taking nothing away from that because i think it's exceptionally important it's like it's your actual mastery but what about the other things that could like 10x enhance how well you help people. I mean, if you have 30 kids in your school, are you helping as many people as if you have 200? Right. Right. And and so those questions, I think, bring out being able to be vulnerable and, and radically honest and say, hey, I'm not good at this stuff. Maybe I need to seek out some help. Yeah, I think we need to be honest with ourselves that we don't know everything. None of us knows everything. Well, no. you know? I mean, I'd say that you, you too, like at this point in time, yeah. I know I know more than I've ever had. Yeah. But I feel so like I know so the far, least. right? Yeah, I mean, like you're it. always trying to learn more. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been doing martial arts for almost 30 years and I still, I mean, I've 30 years. I feel like a, like a newbie all the time. Yeah. And, uh, I think you got to be able to admit that to yourself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was funny going back to what you said about, uh, people uh, thinking it's like a sign of weakness or uh, like they're failing if they have to seek out that type of training or knowledge. Um, One uh, flight last year, I was sitting up in first class and I ended up next to uh, a former Major League Baseball player. His name's Rick Ankiel. Mm -hmm. He was a pitcher 
and he went from being really good to I think they call it having the yips where they where they did he couldn't throw a strike for anything mm-hmm. and it was all mental and then he ended up kind of turning it around I think he was one of the if you look him up he was one of the first uh, players other than Babe Ruth who went six from being a successful pitcher to a successful hitter as well so he did both and uh now he's the the mental coach for the entire nationals baseball organization and he travels all around doing mental coaching for the players and speaking and everything and he was telling me that in baseball you are looked down upon if people know that you have that you're doing mental training so other players will literally make fun of a guy for trying to improve himself mentally so he can play better. And, and you know what? With that said, there are all these, uh, I would say any industry, right, has things that have been held on for long, a long time. And, mm-hmm. and it's pretty much almost like this status quo that it, it's hard to be broken. And people, like, even though they believe deep inside it's not true, right, they won't break out of it because it's the whole judgment thing. Well, ooh, then everybody else judges you're me. Within that bubble of their their comfort zone, exactly. Right? And, and and I think it's like I'm reading this great book called um, um, Originals, which talks about you know who changes the world is non nonconformist, right? You're not conforming to what we knew, right? Because right. there's so many people that just go like, well, you know, this is what it is, so we're going to stay within these these boundaries and not explore. And I think the people that really tend to change the world are where you go like. Deep, like I have this voice that's saying I'm not good enough at this like there's something missing and you go and explore it and the worst exactly. thing that can happen is you become better at something you find out something new maybe it doesn't work but you learned your lessons yeah. and, and failure is, is where you learn the most and to learn the most and that's yeah. that's the secret and that's what people don't realize you spend so much time trying not to fail that we limit our overall growth and you see that a lot in jujitsu people consider tapping out as a loss or a failure if you're tapping out in training you're getting better you have to get tapped out a lot to start to change your level and and have to adapt and have to grow but there's people where they look at every time they have to tap out is like they lost the the biggest match of their life and we're talking just in training and those people don't realize how much they're limit, limiting their overall growth at, of how good they could actually be at jujitsu if they looked at it from a through a different lens. Because tapping, like, think about. It. I, I'm just thinking right now, right? For like tapping out, there's two things, right? It's like you don't tap out, mm-hmm. you get crushed, Something and you're like, oh, I don't want to do this again. Yeah, right? Get frustrated. But if you tap out and you learn from the tap out, right? You're just growing because you're applying. Exactly. So the faster you get tapped out, the faster you grow. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean just right, you right. suck and don't get you know because you because you do have to work and apply that yeah. stuff. But I think it's the same thing in life. Like I was, you know, this is uh, my friend Aubrey Marcus said this uh, great analogy. Said, "Hey, look, we've all played video games. I know, mm-hmm. I know you have them. Oh, yeah. you still do, still like, do. Yeah, still do it. It's like, man, I, I love video games too. It's our escape, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> our, our hobby is our <laughs> it's, job. It's, it's hard. Got to have something and." You know, would you play a video game that has no bosses and, and no next level? Right, right? exactly. There's, they're structured that way for a reason. You, you, you would be like, this game sucks. Like, mm-hmm. this, this shit doesn't go anywhere. It's like, whatever, man. I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm not getting better at it. Right. So you would, you would, you logically, you literally go, I would hate that game. But in life, when we hit the boss and fail and then keep trying to, to yeah. beat that boss to go to the next boss, we call that like, oh, fuck, man. It, 
it's so hard. Like I don't, you know, life is so, yep. so tough. Like why would I even try? Right. Definitely. It, it's sometimes you, you have to laterally think and kind of take parallels from other areas. And that's why I think is once you get this perspective and take, you know, when you come to jujitsu class and like, Hey, I've learned so much stuff here. What parallel can I draw in life? Like that's how you just really start growing. Yep. And, and with, with jujitsu, you'll you'll uh, you'll get out of it what you put you into it, like yeah. anything else in life. And jujitsu is so much bigger than what happens out here on the mats. And I truly believe that uh, anything in jujitsu, if you if you're training at a good academy, you have a, a good instructor, good teammates, uh, any lesson you learn in jujitsu can somehow be applied to something in your life, mm-hmm. whether that's uh, having the ability to, to maintain your cool, going through a tough situation, because obviously jujitsu teaches you how to you know, remain calm under pressure, uh, keep your head about you. I mean, all of those Ooh, things. I was, I was just, how many things can we oh, apply yeah. to that I was just in our bring everyday lives? So, uh, you know, we used to train here, and, and I'd be here on Sundays <laughs> training with, with James and Thad. And, you know, I got to a place where, obviously, I, I'm training a lot of fitness and I, I did a lot of striking so I tense up a lot which is not the greatest thing in jiu-jitsu and I'm, I'm pretty you know I got 205 pounds um, and got a decent amount of muscle so we'd be training and get really uncomfortable in certain situations and I'd you know I'd, I'd learn to breathe through it and get yeah. better and uh, I remember one day I was defending a lot of stuff you were doing but let's I'm going to put context to this yeah. so, so that we don't you know so that we don't go anywhere and I was like yeah and you said Hey, uh, you ready for me to take it to, to second gear? Yeah. And I said, put it in a third gear. <laughs> and um, literally, James put me in this position where I and I very rarely get, but I, I got claustrophobic under this guy, <laughs> like straight up freaked out. And you know, had, I was like, I tapped him just off of being like not out of air and just, I mean, it, it freaked out. And it is a perfect scenario where, you know, now I'm to a point where I could handle that, but there's always more. It's always another level. Yeah. And, you know, you think about life and how there's stuff always happening. You know, you got work to do. Your kids are yelling. You got to go to the gym. How do you keep a clear mind in a tornado? And, and um, you know, we could talk about how, like, for me, meditation has helped me a lot. Positive focus doing a Byron Katie's work. Um, but I, but I think about it, and you know, great analogy that that Garrett White has always given me: life is almost like a tornado, mm-hmm. right? When you can learn to be step away and kind of be in the, the eye of the tornado and look at the craziness going on out, you know, around you, but make a clear decision, you know, not from scarcity and fear, but exactly. from clarity. You that's how you grow exponentially. And people say, how the fuck do you do what you do? Where a lot of people get pulled up in a tornado, and it's like. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're getting swirled around and making decisions and their decisions based off scarcity, fear, uh, you know, like hate and, and, and all these different things. And you never make a great decision. Based no. on that. You know, but if you can like go, you know, be in a really tough situation, <sighs> calm down and breathe and think like, OK, what's the next thing I'm going to do? Yep. Like, man, like it that's, changes your life. That's what jujitsu teaches you is a big, big lesson. In a lesson in jujitsu, it's and uh, you know, like you said, there's different levels to it because I may feel that I may feel safe 98% of the time, but there could be that one guy out there. I end up underneath him, and I'm going to have that same panic and and going to have to use everything I know to try to keep myself calm and and not give up. 
It know, actually like, that's and, that, and that's that's life. I mean, I I, I firmly believe, like especially uh, lately, I think you're. Uh, the trials and tribulations you go through are equally proportionate to your level of success. I agree. Would you yes, agree on that? 100%. Because lately, uh, I feel like um, you know, I won the the world's the world masters championship last year, and I feel like since then, I've been getting tested and tested more and more different different stresses different dramas in my life uh but i think it's because uh you know we're we're it's the universe knows that we can handle it and it knows that's what we need to continue to grow past our comfort zone it teaches you to never be happy with with the level you're at and to continue fighting and and continue improving i think it's you know we can call it spiritual capacity or mental right. capacity, but it's like, you know, you, you go and you lift weights and you, to, to lift more weight, you have to put on more weight. Everybody gets that. Mm-hmm. But then you don't think that like in life to improve your capacity, how much you can handle, like you have to get challenged. Yep. And it's so easy to get like shit. Like, do you really want to go through life in a smooth way? You'd learn nothing. You wouldn't grow. You exactly. wouldn't get, you. And the thing is when something became hard, you, there'd be no way you could handle it. You just like shrink towards the resistance. Did you see that uh, video clip that went viral of the? I think it was a rabbi talking about the lobster. The no. lobster, how the lobster, uh, you know, he has to shed his his shell, and he gets he, he grows until his shell's tight and it's uncomfortable, and then he has to shed it and, and get into a bigger one, and and how that's representing our our growth through discomfort. Because it's painful. If, if he didn't, if he didn't go through that discomfort, he would never have to grow and yes. and get into his new shell, right? So that's how a lot of times uh, people people approach life. They don't realize that those those painful and trying you know, stressful moments are are making them grow as a person. And that's something you know that I I've been working really hard on understanding. In, in recent months it's just you know hey this is this is a good thing yeah. and also a big one is is people or things only have as much control over you as you allow them to have and uh, yeah. I was telling one of my guys this morning the mental aspect of your training is like literally 98% of it whether it be jiu-jitsu or whatever else you you talk to the or listen to any elite person in their sport or, or their area of life they always attribute it to the the mental side but what's funny is it's the easiest it's the easiest one to train out of anything i do in jiu-jitsu takes the least amount of physical energy to to read something about mental training yeah. to apply it is is the easiest aspect but nobody wants to do it and I think because it goes back to what we said earlier, they don't want to admit that there's something that wrong, there's something wrong right? or, they, yeah. or they don't know. It's like they're broken if they have to do that. And really, that's if there's any secret, it's that mental part. Because the mental if you part had is a, huge. Um, and I mean, everybody's been talking about Conor McGregor, obviously, which is, you know. Which uh, Dos Anjos I dropped just saw, out. Yeah, I just saw he dropped out. Now they're brother. saying maybe uh, maybe Nate Diaz might really? be filling in short notice. Yeah. I, had a little, I had a little teardrop coming when I heard that Dos Anjos <laughs> is not going to fight. Yeah, me up. too. And of course, Conor's talking about, you know, oh, if he's scared, he's scared. And it's, I mean, <laughs> the, you know, Conor McGregor can teach lessons in marketing because the guy is a great marketer. Um, but, you know, all things equal. And I, I think, of course, you know, somebody's highly better than you in the skill set. 
you know, they're probably going to win. But the, the reality is, is like that belief system and the confidence. Yeah, would they be on that level? Correct. If, if, they, if, if they didn't believe, yeah. believe to that extent. And I think a big part, you know, people say, well, how do you gain more confidence? Well, there's a bunch of different ways, but you do more of the thing that you're not good at. Mm-hmm. Like if, if somebody, you know, uh, I present a lot now and it's like, man, like you killed the videos. I'm like, okay, I got, I don't know, close to a thousand videos, you know, that I've done. I don't know how many, you know, hundred and some 50 seminar. I don't know. Right. And I sucked at the beginning. But the thing is, if I prepared for it, if I did five to 10 hours of preparation for a seminar, maybe I would not have any fear, but I'd be way more confident than if I just stepped and went you right. know, on stage and, and, and talked about yeah. it. So how do you build confidence? Well, do deliberate practice of the thing that you are afraid of or don't have confidence get more experience right that's what i tell people you're uh, a lot of people in jujitsu you know they're afraid to do a a jujitsu competition and that's fine if nobody ever wants to compete a day in their life i don't force any of my students to do tournaments i do encourage them to try it because uh god willing Hopefully that's the closest they get to an actual real fight where you have the adrenaline and, and you're seeing how quickly you can adapt and, and react. Yes. So it's a great it's a great way to kind of see where you're at in that respect. But uh, you know, people have that that fear of of failing a lot of times, and they they keep that from allowing them to get the experience and grow and I say if you want to if you really do enjoy competing and you want to get better at it do as many competitions as you can yes because I promise you it, it will get easier you know I, I I wouldn't say that I I will say this I'm not I don't get scared to compete anymore I, I get excited there's a difference right and that could be the same feelings they're very similar feelings but how you use it yep so for me i look at it when i feel those feelings like oh i'm excited to get out there and do my thing right i'm not i'm not scared to go out there i always say uh actually steve krebs brought this up you know my anxiety is my excitement because mm-hmm. the feeling of anxiety can be similar to the feeling of excitement exactly but what do you label it because if you think it's anxiety is your perspective perspective right makes what, you higher how do you, how do you how do you interpret it and uh, for a lot of people, uh, one of the biggest switches they can make is being able to use that nervous energy for positive. Mm-hmm. And the nervousness and all of that gets better the more and more you compete. You know, I, I started competing as a black belt in 2006, right? And I just now won my first world title in 2015. And so, for the very first time as a black belt. So it took me that long to put put everything together. But at the end of the day, what it was, was a, a mental revelation I had back in 2013. It was when I really started to dial things in, when I got the mental side down. And I was going to ask you that. Like, you know, what do you feel was the biggest difference? Uh, you know, and, and maybe you did train more. Maybe uh, because the year before you came in second. Right, we trained. 2013 in, was when I came in yeah, second. You came in second. 2014, in, I didn't. Uh, with, with 2014, I lost my first match mm-hmm. in 2014, and then this 2015 was when I won it. So, what do you think was the 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 thing that changed for you? So, 2013, I was sitting in my hotel room the night before I was going to compete, and uh, I, I was dealing with a normal nerves and thoughts and everything that I would normally have the night before competing. Mm -hmm. And I kind of took a step back and I was like, 
you don't get worked up like this before you go to class to roll. When you go to class every day, you roll, you roll with killers. I mean, I've made my guys into, if I make one mistake, there's a lot of my guys in here that'll catch me, mm-hmm. and that makes me better. So I love it. I've, I've developed guys to the point where they can catch me if I'm if I'm tripping, right? If I make a little mistake, they're gonna they're gonna tap me out. And I go, man, you don't you don't get all nervous like this before you do that. Why why are you putting yourself in this mindset the night before competing? You're just going in there to roll with different people. It's rolling. So let's try approaching this just like it's going to class. So when I went to the tournament the next day, I showed up in the mindset I would be when I come to training class. I don't listen to crazy music and get myself amped up before I come train in class, so I didn't do it in the tournament. Years before, I would do that because that's what I saw everybody doing. They got their headphones on. They're looking, you know, mean mugging everybody. That's not me. But I was emulating that practice because that's what I saw a lot of the guys doing. At the end of the day, you got to do what's you, you. what's natural to you. So for me, I'm like, I did it like an experiment. Like, what do I got to lose? Win or lose, what do I got to lose if I go in here and I try this different approach? Mm -hmm. And I did my my warm-up the way I would do before class. I did everything like I would, and then I went out, I was relaxed. I was relaxed enough to let my technique out. And it's not that I had much different technique between then and previous years. It was just the ability to be relaxed enough and present-minded enough to allow the technique to come out. And that was the secret. And ever since then, I've been able to get in that mental state. I have affirmations I say to myself. I have things that I visualize. And, and, uh, a, uh, pattern I follow, uh, what do they call it? Not, not like a superstition, but, uh, you know, I, I do things in a certain order. Yeah, I have yeah. a routine that I do in getting mentally prepared. And it's, this is, this is really great. I mean, it's great where you're going because it's like, it brings me to the point. There's really only trained and untrained. Mm-hmm. And when you relax, you allow yourself to be your best version. Yeah. <clears throat> because if you're stressed out, Right, the nervous system naturally. If you're tense, man, everything locks up. You're not. It's like I tell my guys: all the jujitsu you know, and all the training you've done, that's in your body the day you go to the competition. You just have to be relaxed enough to let it out. Mm -hmm. And most people are too rigid, and they they get scared and whatever, and they they lock up, and their their true jujitsu doesn't come out. You have guys that are killers in the gym. You watch, they destroy everybody in training, but then they go to the tournament and some guy who would never in a million years catch them just destroys them because the mental the mental side isn't there. And that just shows how, and, how important that is, right? And I've yeah. seen guys who do horrible in the gym and you're thinking, man, I hope this guy didn't get, have too bad of experience yeah. at the tournament. Yeah. And then he goes out there and taps every single guy. Every and you're like, whoa, where did this guy come? You know, where'd he come from? But he's mentally dialed in, and he let his jujitsu happen. So the mental side is, uh, I can't stress enough how big it is. And and if you wanna if you wanna be okay at jujitsu and you wanna 
have a fun hobby and, and all of that, that's great. Keep doing things how you're doing. But if you want to take it to the next level and you're really serious about jujitsu or anything you do, fitness, your job, whatever, study the mental aspect and don't just study it because I see too many people study things and not apply them. Agree. Right. Um, so knowledge is not power if you're not applying the knowledge. And that's huge because you see people are, are collectors of information. And, people, and then they say, I know that. Yeah, I know that because <laughs> they can say they know things. Yeah. But And people do that in jiu-jitsu. They collect techniques. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know 15 variations of the arm bar. Well, can you catch somebody in one of them? Yeah, How many of those 15 can you catch someone consistently with? Well, two of them. Uh, well, then, do you really know you 15 know arm bars? You know 15 arm bars, but you can't apply any of them without – if there's resistance involved, you can't catch anybody with it. So how much do you actually know? I feel if you if you haven't really – you know this quote is like, to know and not to do is not to know, right? right. I mean, if you haven't really done – I mean, it's like learning. Like, ooh, you know, I see that Facebook marketing campaign. Oh, I, I, I've seen, you know, the Turkish getup. I've seen how to do it. If you don't go through the experience yourself, you're not learning it. Right. Like your nervous system is not learning if it's not doing. Very true. Right. It, I mean, then there's obviously a certain power to visualizing, but you know, and I, I think it's a huge component. But like, I couldn't sit here and watch you for the next five years roll and go like, all right, right. I want my black belt first, yeah. and then let's. You could, let's take you could the recognize what I was doing. Yeah. But and you could tell people, oh, he, here he's going for this, this, and this. But then if you rolled with someone of an equal level and you tried to do those things, you just don't have the experience and the muscle memory and the timing and all of that. So it's a practical application of things is is huge. That's why I tell my guys, if you're going to if you're going to work on on your game, don't try to work on being great at 100 different things. Pick one thing and do that, not just for a month. Don't put a set amount of time on it. Do it until you can't mess it up. Do it till you can do that thing from everywhere. It's like me. I have a, a type of guard I've been working on getting into a guard position. And I've been working on it literally for like the last five years. Every role, I'll incorporate it somewhere. And now I know how to get into it from every scenario and have all these things. And I've been developing that for five years. I haven't even broke it out in competition yet because it's not to that point, right? But that's the level of, of, of uh, focus I have on improving that area. I'm not looking at 20 different things. I like got one or two things I try to try to refine and work on. And, and uh, the age we're in, especially uh, jujitsu, uh, what you do with your fitness and conditioning, people get on YouTube and, and spend yeah. the next 10 years looking at free videos, but they collect all this knowledge and they're not narrowing it down and, and actually working on specific things. And, and I see that, for instance, um, you know, in, in, in our craft is like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I've seen that guy do that, do this, do that. And it's like, how many athletes have you used it with, with your clients that are fat loss clients? Or how did you go through a diet or nutrition or, right? Yeah. Have you literally been involved in it, like in uh, entrenched in it? Yeah. To where you start understanding? Because there's so much... I mean, I can tell you, like, there's so much I still don't know, and I'm, 
I think that curiosity is like one of the values that I think drives us, right? Mm -hmm. That should be there present all the time where you don't go like, ah, I know that stuff. Right. Right. I mean, to me, it was like even when we were training, right? I mean, I'd, and I I know a lot of stuff, but I'd be up every night and go like, man, okay, let's do this. Let's try this. He's got that going on. And I'd enjoy the process. It wasn't like this, oh, I got to do this. It was like, man, I really want to see what happens. It's almost like a, uh, ongoing experiment with your life, right? I mean, I see a lot of people, uh, a lot of, um, we'll say upper belts or black belts when they, when they attend a seminar, I'll see them kind of looking at what the guy's showing almost in like a, a scoffing kind of manner. Like, Oh, I know that move. I know that move he's showing instead of trying to really go, Oh, he, he's putting his hand here instead of there five inches this way instead of over here when i do it i grip here okay well why is he doing that grip maybe he's figured out something i don't know maybe his grip is better but they look at the overall technique and go oh, i know how to do that arm bar or i know how to oh i do a sweep just like that and their own sense of uh self-worth and and ego limits them from maybe picking up that one little detail that could it be a game changer for them a lot of things i see when i go to seminars i already know or i already do i've been doing jujitsu for almost 20 years there's not many things i haven't seen some variation of Mm -hmm. but i always pick up some detail that like night and day improves my game and that detail to to where you can and i try to carry things over obviously in the things that we do like for instance in business you know, was metrics of digital marketing mm-hmm. or whatever. But like, let's say one detail, right? If it improves your conversion on a site by 25% across a year, it might change your business, mm-hmm. right? I mean, but that's, I think the equivalent of you going like, ooh, I saw something. Hey, why'd you do this? Because of this, this and that. Ooh, let me try that. And then it's better. And you keep working on it, keep working on it. All of a sudden, you know, that one little thing has been a compound effect. and was yeah. kind of like a... a, a uh, like a keynote habit essentially that changes other things right it's the whole thing about looking versus seeing like you're looking but are you actually seeing what's going on mm-hmm. or listening and hearing it's like you're listening but are you actually hearing what they're saying are you hearing what they're saying through oh his grip's different uh, I, I wouldn't have noticed that if I was just generally looking. Yeah. Oh, the same. You, you have to be, you have to be willing to look at things a little deeper, and you have to be open to realizing. In a, in the grand scheme of things, you know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> There's guys that uh, those guys that I'll train at, like my friend Salah Barrow, He's like multiple time world champion, and man. I'll roll with that guy and he'll make me feel like a brand new white belt <laughs> and I'll do, I'll do something and he'll go, well, James, what's your idea for, you know, why you were doing that? And I'll be like, Oh, I was trying to do this escape or whatever. And he'll just go, no, just do this. Move your hand here. Turn this way. And it's like magic, <laughs> right? It makes you feel like, you know, nothing. So there's different levels you know, and, and probably above him, there's another level that he looks at like that. Like, man, when I train with that guy, and that's the beautiful part about jujitsu. And that's the part about uh, what, what I do that's so humbling and refreshing is there's just always all these different layers to it. 
it's just never when I did karate I felt you know I did karate for almost 10 years and Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like I was to a point where I wasn't continuing to learn like that and jujitsu, I've never felt that way. There's always <laughs> you something. probably never will, right? No, and I'll talk to guys that have been uh, like Master Master Pedro Sauer. He's been training like probably 45 years, and he's one of Hickson Gracie's guys, Hickson Gracie black belt. And and uh, he tells me he's like, man, I learn stuff all the time. I like watching all these videos of the new stuff guys are doing. There's another thing in our sport is, uh, and I'm sure it's the same in your industry when new things come out some of the old guard will go oh that's that never that that's crap i'm not gonna i don't even need to learn that because it's it's garbage and they don't even make an attempt to try to understand what the person is doing well master sour he'll go oh i i try all that stuff he goes, even if I don't want to add it to my game, I want to understand how it works. Mm-hmm. And I feel like to be a good instructor, even if there's some weird, crazy thing somebody's doing, I need to I need to learn and understand it to be able to translate it to my students and be able to help them maybe learn how to defend it if someone ever they encounter it in a competition. Otherwise, they're going to be a fish out of water, right? That's a, that's a great point. And that's how my own ego could get in, in the way of my own students becoming great. And those two, uh, you know, it it's almost brings it back to the, the fixed and the growth mindset, right? Because you can – the fixed mindset is like, well, I don't want to go there because I don't want to look bad. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to feel like there's so much more to learn so on and so forth. So I'm just going to stay here yeah. and, you know, feel good about myself and not grow cool. Yeah. Or you can go like, all right, obviously this is a whole nother world, you know, and, and you the, you go step into the fear of what if I'm not good at this? What if, you know, this is better than what I'm doing, right? And that's sometimes scary. Think of, you know, it's like yeah. if you have a business or a technique or whatever it may be and it's like something new comes out and it's like, oh shit, what if I have to change everything? But it's like that's kind of like part of life, isn't it, right? I I think what it boils down to most of the time is people are too worried about what other people are going to think. Oh, oh, if I show up at a seminar that, and I'm a black belt that runs a school, people are going to think that means I don't know everything. Well, yeah, you don't know everything. None of us know everything. But people think that way, and a lot of people want to maintain that appearance of invincibility and I know everything and, and uh, I don't need to go outside my own my own resources to to learn but overall it's limiting oh yeah right they did the only person they limit them is themselves and I talk about a lot uh, when I do seminars and stuff I talk about um, especially for the guys to compete I'll go if you if I took away every title every medal you ever won right who are you who, who are you as a human being can you identify who you are and a lot of times it's like oh I don't know like I'm a, I won Pan Ams this year no who are you mm-hmm. like w- what's your identity is your your identity is wrapped up in all the medals and, and things that you've won man Look at Ronda Rousey. Yeah, she lost her belt and she contemplated killing herself. Yeah, uh, that's that's that that's yeah. sad, right? Yeah. But her identity, 
a lot of it is tied into her accomplishments. Mm -hmm. And you find that with a lot of people, their identity goes hand in hand with those accomplishments. And that could be getting a raise at a job or whatever. And then when you take, you strip all of that away, who are you? Mm -hmm. So I stress, you need to worry about being a good human being, number one, and being comfortable with who you are as a person outside of the gym. Because having all the skills in the world and, and knowing all these cool things and being a good person when you're on the mats means nothing to me if you leave these doors and you're a hor horrible person and you're doing horrible things outside the gym. And the, the focus gets gets twisted. And in jiu-jitsu or, or MMA, a lot of people uh, have the the what have you done for me lately mentality and it's all about them 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 and not about the the overall team aspects like well i need to go do this so i can get better or i can do this and, and it's it's all that self-entitlement and self-worth and, and how they how they uh process that and their outlook on those things and i try to make do my best to make good people on and off the mat by trying to pass down lessons I've learned and try to help people uh, learn from my mistakes and my experiences. And I think that's, uh, you know, part of the reason why, why we've become really good friends is the respect of that, you know. Um, Definitely. Because to, to the question that, you know, I, I was asking Warrior and it really made me shift my life, not to say shift my life, but, you know, I think questions that people avoid, like, who do I believe myself to be and why am I even here? Yeah. Right? They're tough questions. You can't, like, it's very hard for people to go, oh, well, I'm, right? you got to kind of explore that. and Because and it's all wrapped up in, uh, a lot of times it's wrapped up in very tangi tangible, tangible things, yeah. uh, material things. Yeah. Yeah. For, for most people, they identify with those things. Or and, labels. Or labels. Right? I yeah. am CEO. I am this. Right. I am whatever. Which I tell, I tell my jiu-jitsu guys or when I do seminars, I go, if you think you're that big of a deal in jiu-jitsu, go to the mall and walk around and tell 100 different or 500 different people that you do jiu-jitsu or you won this or I won this jiu-jitsu thing. And they go, jiu-jitsu, is that like karate? <laughs> they have no clue what you do. Yeah, yeah. In your sphere, you're a big deal. But in the general population, there's still millions of people that don't even know what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is yeah. but you're going to carry yourself like you're Jack whatever right but if you want perspective go do that mm -hmm. and you see people are like well what's what's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu what's that they don't care and people, most people don't care as most, much as you yeah, think exactly. you want to think they care yeah, and right? the thing is, is like in the grand scheme of things right most people are just worried about their own problems and their own shit yeah and, and it's kind of like you know, we all judge, but it's a it's a it's a reflection of our own inner, I would say, insecurity. Yeah, and I mean, none of know, us right? are none of us are are perfect. And this is you know things that that I deal with myself as a person that I work on, and you work on as a person. You know, just just because uh, we have knowledge on these things and and we share and and we're we're trying to help people uh, through our knowledge and experience and stuff, it doesn't mean that we're we're not working on things too. It doesn't mean we're not human. We don't deal with stress, drama. You know, just because you're successful doesn't mean everything's roses, no, far, no, far right? So we talk about this a lot, yeah. it's it's uh, you know a lot of times the position we're in, that's how we're viewed 
as humans like oh look at all the the things they've done and this and that but man we're just human it's it's the iceberg right you see you see what yeah, you what's see. above there's a lot below the yeah. iceberg and what what else like the bamboo right you know yeah. the about how you got to water the bamboo for like five or six years before it even before sprouts it up growing. and then it grows really quick and it's, and i think you know this is what i love about like the actual physical you know the dojo or you know and, and at this point in time I, that's I, something I want to touch on too when you're done there it's, it's something I've been I've been really thinking about no, go ahead, man, oh, I was just going to say uh, a lot of times I think one of the like I come from a traditional martial arts background mm-hmm. and I, w- I would not say that like my karate training like how much my karate training do I use now probably close to zero Mm -hmm. right but what i took away from karate and the traditional martial arts honor self-discipline respect Respect. all of those different things that you're taught uh as a that are stressed as, as a big part of traditional martial arts those life values and and lessons nowadays you know jujitsu schools you got a lot of people coming in or a lot of people running the academies that don't have those values. They don't come from that background. And they don't come from that background, so they don't have that. And if they don't have that, they can't pass that on to their students. Because you can only, I mean, as a leader, as as somebody that's coaching, uh, one, I I say live in the code, right? You have to live the code of what you teach versus saying like, hey guys, this is, you know, and then you're not living it. Yeah. And why it's so powerful that because I know like that your kids program has grown mm-hmm. a ton, which makes me happy because it's kids can be obviously taught and influenced the most, and if they're taught these um, you know these values right, and and you can teach them self discipline and and work ethic and you know like fighting through challenges and respecting, like man, is there like you know forget about whether they want a tournament or not, right? Like, what what is going to do for them in life? And yeah. for me. I come from a background where, you know, and I've done a lot of martial arts in my life when I was young. I started with judo, which was actually a great, mm-hmm. uh, I did judo for years. And, it, you know, if you ever want to read about judo, read uh, The Way of Judo by Jigoro Kano, which is an yeah. awesome book. And it talks about judo was created as a more than a, a sport. It was a, a teaching tool, right? It was yeah, in life Jap- lessons, Life right? lessons. In Japan, it's in schools. Yeah. And, you know, so that was great for me. So when I started playing basketball, you know, that carried over like the the you know working harder and, and respecting people and you know having the discipline to go through things that are tough and i would say that a, a lot of the things that i've done in, in fitness and th- it have been all from the lessons that i've learned along the line exactly and i'm so grateful and appreciative for you know the coaches that i've had in my life the, the senseis i've had in my life that taught me that and like how important it is and, and and why i take you know a lot of people ask me like well you do all this stuff online you got consulting businesses and you're fine. Like, why don't you just, you know, because running the gym is hard as shit. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, it doesn't what? just happen. Yeah, it's like, well, you could just. Despite popular belief, <laughs> right? Again, the iceberg. Yeah, it's like, man. It's very, very challenging. To have a nice, to provide a nice training atmosphere for people and the things that we do. There's no days off. No, I We're mean, always working. We're always trying to, you know. A lot of people with jujitsu, it's like, oh, you just have some mats and you show up for class time, and that's, that's all it takes to run a yeah. business, hey, it's right? Like, right? Go ahead, yeah, go for go, it, go for it. See how that works out for you, buddy. But it and, all comes down from the top, man. Mm-hmm. Going, and, going to what you were saying, 
our mentors before us, we're paying uh, respect to them by passing down the lessons they pass down to us. Correct. And then we pass those down to our students. And then one day, our legacy is going to be the people that we leave behind that continue those lessons. And, and you know what? That's so because I get most excited about. Right. I love people's transformations. But to me, the transformation happens in the brain, right, where, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, a mom changes and then she teaches her kids about health exactly. and about going through adversity. And then, you know, she has three kids and those kids grow up to like that's the, the kind of like the ripple effect. And in and, and Warrior, you know, the, I love this, you know, when, when Garrett was like, man, we, we change one man, we change one family. Yeah. We change a family, we change a community, you change a community, yeah. you change a city, right? It's and that butterfly effect, and, right? And, and that's how, but it, but it all starts with one person, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's what we do and that's what I'm, what gets me up in the morning when shitty days where I'm like beat down or, you know, somebody's disappointment or I'm disappointed myself, whatever it may be, because there's a lot of days like oh, that. Yeah. Right? And you go like, you know what? This is my purpose. Right. And then the passion is connected to that. Mm-hmm. And you add that persistence, those three P's. And it's what keeps you going. Exactly. And, and you get excited about it versus going, shit, I got to get up again and do this. Like, you you, you know, and, and look, it's what, it's what drives us. Helping helping people is what drives me. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, every everything I do is is to I believe if you're in the in a position of influence where you can help people or help with something and you don't you're part of the problem i almost believe it's right. in, in a way whatever it is you, that you do is almost your duty to give yeah right and, and and the thing is at the end of the day everything comes full circle and that's how you actually grow grow your mm-hmm. business become more successful make more money all the things that people want right give more of yourself and uh great things will happen and i've it's kind a of zig ziglar Right. It is. I mean, I mean, Ziggy has so much, so many great quotes. Yeah. Like, Damn. But yeah, it's like if you give if you give enough people what they want, you always have what you yeah, want. Yeah, exactly. And do it without like, all right, I'm going to do this for do you. Do it without expecting anything in return. And I mean, like, how do you? Know, I we, cannot tell you how much money I've loaned to people, to friends, and I've never, never. Ex- and when I gave that to them, it was not with the anticipation that it would ever be paid back. And the thing is, right, Right. it brings us full circle now that, like, you know, how we met was, uh, you know, you're my friend, obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, Thad was like, hey, you know, my friend's got a jiu-jitsu school, like, man, he's a great guy, like, great jiu-jitsu instructor. Like, it'd be good if you guys sat down for his business and, and, like, we had lunch years and years ago and hit it off. and and Hit it off right away. And, you know, the, the... the first thought would be like, oh, well, I'm going to take a bunch of hours now to drive up and like, you know, help somebody out. But it's like, you know, that was an awesome guy. Like all, when he said like, man, you got to meet this guy. I was just like, all right. Right. I didn't expect anything back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same and, here. And from there, like we built this relationship and you've always been like, I mean, it, it's, it was because right off the bat, I knew that that's how you live your life mm-hmm. and the values. And we've done tons of charity work and broke records and that, and you know, you name it. It's awesome. Um, we got to, we got to do some more of that. Yeah, I'm glad that we, we brought right. that up. I love, I love doing uh, stuff for charity. Uh, most of the seminars I go and and I fly to teach are, are for charity now. 
I would I would say probably about half of them I do okay. is to is to benefit some kind of some kind of charity. We're actually doing one here on uh, August twentieth and twenty first. It's the Black Belts for Butterflies to benefits autism awareness and, and autism charity. And we're flying in a bunch of the top black belts to teach over two days with all the proceeds going to that. So uh, I do a lot of things like that. I do a lot of things for. Uh, Mission 22, which is uh, help bringing awareness to, to veteran suicide. Uh, 22 uh, veterans a day commit suicide. That is okay. the that is the, that is the VA accepted statistic that they can put out publicly. It's actually way higher mm-hmm. than that. Uh, so do things with them. Uh, we Defy Foundation, another one helping uh, veterans and. Uh, no defiance, which is another military one. Like to do a, whatever I can to help. So, you know, it, you know, when we did our Christmas ones, I actually felt really bad. I'll, I'll be real honest with you. I felt bad. We were both real busy, and we didn't get yeah. to really like put something together last year yeah. for Christmas. So I want to make sure we do something I'll this year. Yeah, the shake on it for sure. And uh, but what I did end up doing was I, I did a, a big donation to a, a specific family. Awesome. Yeah, uh, to we, help we, to help them, uh, an individual family that was on really hard times. Mm-hmm. So I, I took that, you know, those resources that I that we would have put to our deal, and I and I chose a, a family to help out. So and I, and I think that part, you know, kind of to, to finish things off, I, you know, I've never ever in my life given and not felt great about it. Oh yeah. So it's a double edged sword because I mean I would say it's a, it's a double whammy because. Like it does great for others, but it fulfills us. And and you know we're uh, one of the side projects is actually a nonprofit that I'm, I'm starting with my friend Hugh, which you know well. Yeah, uh, we've actually started, but it, it's almost like uh, you know I, I I don't have enough brains and hands, so I'm trying to bring mm-hmm. the right people on on board. And I'm I'm so fulfilled by that. It has no you know benefits in in a sense of what a lot of people seek, all right. the money and this and that. It's just like wow, how can we impact thousands of kids? Like exactly. that's what, that was the question. Uh, through what have, has helped me in my life, which was education. Mm-hmm. So, you know, part of it is going to be uh, clothing where everybody, any any shirt or hoodie or anything that people buy, like we're determining how many books, five, six, seven books go to kids in need. Because I know, you know, for somebody that doesn't only sees a certain world, right, that's their that's their reality, even though it may not be. Yeah. And, and a book for me, like books changed or education changed how I see the world. And, um, you know, so I'm motivated about that. And, and I'm sure you'll see a lot from us in That's the future. That's great. Um, yeah. Let me know how I can help with that, too. Dude, you can buy a lot of shirts. There you plus go. You're quadruple XL. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Basically, one shirt is three, like three mediums, right? But uh, <laughs> um, let's uh, let's kind of finish all. Like, where, where can they find out more about, you know, Foster uh, Jitsu and you? And Well, for the, the Academy website, they can go to fosterbjj.com. Simple. Okay. And then uh, to, like, book seminars and learn more information about me, where I'm going to be throughout the year teaching seminars seminars, all of that, they can go to james300foster.com. So james and 
then the numbers, numbers 300foster.com. Maybe you guys have noticed some resemblance My, between. Yeah, but I'm doing the old timey strong man <laughs> mustache just for Luca. <laughs> but yeah, the the King Leonidas. And you also look. have uh, you also have a podcast. I have a podcast. It's called the Spartan Underground. We've put out uh, five episodes so far. You can find out more about that on the same uh, James300Foster.com website. Got some really uh, big guests lined up for this year. I'm going to have you on it real soon. Yeah, I'm going to be yes, one sir. of them. Uh, and yeah, it's 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 taken off. So awesome. really appreciate uh, any listeners that want to check that out. Uh, talk. We don't just talk about jujitsu. We talk about a lot of the types of things that you and I talked about today. Sure. So mm-hmm. life and philosophy and, and, and just... Uh, personal betterment through through what we do and, and trying to help others and i think at this point in time you know to finish things off is you know we've got this space where we understand it's way more than just about the sport or then oh yeah or the technical things that and we, we do. could we could do like we could sit here for eight hours uh, and easily. not even scratch the easily. surface this, this is kind of like when we don't see each other for a while it's <laughs> what ends up happening um over some food uh, most of the time but yeah make sure Sushi. Yeah. Oh man, I can't eat. But this guy eats still. It's crazy. But um, you know, thank you for joining us, guys. Like that was awesome. Like I mean, we almost have to kind of like have a track of time to 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 not get away from us. But uh, you know, make sure you, you check out on uh, the podcast on YouTube, and make sure you check it out uh, podcast on iTunes. And we'll be back with another special guest the next time. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Uh, so make sure you tune in. Peace out. Thanks, guys.